Hi, well, good morning, everyone. Good to see all your smiling faces. Um, that that last one, uh, it is well. Uh, I don't know about y'all, but it, it gets me every time. And uh, I know a number of us in our church family today are are struggling in in different areas, and and yet we have the promise, we have the assurance that it is well with my soul. And so, before I jump in, I just want to uh, lift our our church family up in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the joy and privilege it is to gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, worshiping you in spirit and in truth, sharing one another's burdens. And so, Lord, as each of us are and different ones in our, our church family are, are hurting, are, are dealing with, with loss, with uh, difficulties, uh, struggles, Lord, we just pray that you, through your Holy Spirit, would just Fill us anew and comfort us, Lord, and, and that we as a church family would would rally around one another as, as we are so good at doing, Lord, uh, by your grace, that we would share one another's burdens. And so, Lord, we ask that you would be with us now. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. Well, uh, before I jump into our uh, our sermon uh, text this morning, uh, just a couple of things to note. Um, I'm not Gunner. You probably figured that out by now. Um, he is out uh, sick today, so pr- please uh, lift him up in prayer, um, as well as his family. I know uh, Anna and the girls are heading to Romania this week, so please pray for uh, safe travels and just safety while over there, and that the Lord would just use them to uh, to be a blessing to the folks there, and, and that they would be blessed in the process as well. Um, also on that note, Gunner will be holding down uh, his fort, his home. So if you can uh, just uh, save and you know contacting him for emergencies, uh, please. Anything else, route that through Melanie or or through the uh, elders and deacons. A um, little bit about me for those of you who don't know me. I'm a, a Navy chaplain currently stationed at Camp Pendleton. Uh, we've had the joy of being a part of this church family for. Gosh, a little over a year now. In fact, I think it was the week after Easter last year that was our first uh, visit here. And uh, I know that my family and I, we've just been blown away with the uh, wonderful hospitality, the love, the support, and encouragement that y'all provided for us. And and seeing that just uh, continue throughout the the church body with uh, just truly rallying and supporting one another. And so I'm just um, overwhelmed with, with joy and love uh, that we've received from y'all and um, are happy to be here. So um, announce, other announcements, please see your bulletin. The one big one that uh, jumps out at me is uh, dinner eights uh, are coming up uh, next month. So um, if you would like to, if you're not sure what that is or if you'd like to sign up, please uh, you know come talk to one of us and we'd love to share more about that with you. Um, at this time, we'll uh, release the uh, children to Sunday school, those that would like to. Um, it is a, uh, a family-safe passage today, so for any of them that want to stick around, it'll be good as well. Um, so please turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. And that's Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Um, here we are, you know, a week after Easter, and so I know around Easter time we have a lot of folks that are either, you know, committing their lives to Christ for the first time, or we just have that renewal, that reminder of what Christ has done for us. And so we're recharged and, and excited to be, you know, followers of Christ, and, and yet we recognize, man, it's not easy. Uh, you know, how, 
how do we do that? How do we do that today? Uh, one of the great questions I hear from many believers is, how are Christians supposed to respond to the world around us? I mean, we look at the news, social media, the world today is, is calling bad good and good bad, and uh, it's easy for us as believers to feel sad, frustrated, or uncertain as how we should respond or engage the world today. But thankfully, God has given us his spirit and his word to give us hope, guidance, and direction today and every day until he returns or calls us home. So again, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that dwells within us, Lord, that that, uh, just illuminates your word to our lives, Lord. We ask that this morning you would open my mouth to speak your word clearly, Lord, that you would open our ears to hear your word, our minds to understand your word, and our hearts to receive your word, Lord, that it would go down deep inside of us and, and make that transformation that you promised to do through your spirit and your word. And so we ask that you would be with us now. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. Well, for those of you who are a little bit familiar with, with this uh, area of scripture, uh, comes right after the Beatitudes. Um, as we know, the Beatitudes was kicking off the Sermon on the Mount where, where Jesus really took, bless you, a lot of uh, concepts uh, and kind of turned them on its head. You know, this you know, blessed are the, the meek, blessed are the poor in spirit, uh, blessed are the, the, uh, the brokenhearted, like things that we're thinking, man, how is, that, how is that blessed? And yet Jesus explains that. He explains the difference between, you know, for us living as believers and, and how we are to have a kingdom mindset and not to follow after the way of the world and really flips um, the standard that the world has and how we're to live our lives really kind of on its head. And we see that continuing on in our passage today, the depiction of the character of believers that is truly in uh, contrast to the world around us. We're given two pictures of the influence that Christ's kingdom is to have on our world, not only back then, but throughout history and even for us today until he returns. And, uh, you know, the of how we Christians are to respond to those who revile us, those who persecute us, those who who mistreat us because of our our identity with Christ and our desire to be his people. See, Jesus calls us salt and light. It isn't a challenge, it isn't a suggestion, it isn't a well, you know, if you feel like it, you know, be salt and light. No, it's a it's a commandment. It's a declaration. It is he is saying, you are salt and light. It's an identity. It is who we are. It's who we are to be to the world around us. 
you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Those are part that is part of us as disciples of Christ. Now, in some parts of the country, um, indeed, you know, much of its use today, when we hear uh, someone being salty, it, it doesn't have the same connotation. You know, I, I had a buddy of mine uh, before it became so common throughout the country. I had a buddy of mine from Michigan when he was visiting um, Florida, when I, where I grew up, and he was like, "Oh, y'all are so salty," and I was like, "I think you mean bitter, but whatever." You know, you use it, and 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 nowadays people say, use it all the time. Oh, like, "Oh, why are you salty?" And and they what they really mean is bitter, but you know, I, I digress on the semantics. Um, but the the uh, the real thing is, you know, salt. We are to be salty, not in that way, but in in the true way. And uh, it's funny because when he would say that, I was like, oh, I don't think that word means what you think it means. Um, but for any of us seafarers, uh, maritimers, sailors, or marines, we know that being salty is considered to be a good thing. Um, at my work, I hear things such as like, oh, chief so-and-so, he's really salty. You need to you know, seek him out for, for guidance. And it means that they're seasoned with knowledge and experience. Being salty is a thing of honor and respect. And how about the phrase that many of us are familiar with, a man is worth his salt? Where'd that come from? Well, it's said to have derived from Roman soldiers being paid in salt or given an allowance to buy salt. Indeed, the word salary is derived from the Latin word salarium, which originally referred to a sailor's allowance to buy salt. So, what about salt? What makes salt such a big deal? You know, why was it a big deal then, and uh, how does that help us understand um, what it means for us to be called to be salt uh, today? Why would a soldier want to buy salt? Why would Christ call us to be the salt of the earth? Well, for one, we know that salt is a preservative. Salt was known in the ancient Near East as a preserving agent. There were no refrigerators that we uh, you know, often take for granted today to keep food from being spoiled, so they added salt. In fact, we know that a lot of our food today, um, whether it's canned or whether it's you know, some hams, salt is added to uh, help it have a longer shelf life. We also know that salt plays a vital role in our physical health. Our body needs a healthy balance of salt in order for our muscles and nerves to function properly. When I was out in the uh, field um, with Marines, um, we had an exercise, and, and I remember you know, when, when we were visiting, there was this one guy, he was just looked terrible, and he was like lethargic and looked like he was like, ready to pass out. And uh, the corpsman ran over to him and was like, hey, you know, what's going on? And he's like, I don't know, doc. Like, I've been pounding water and, and I just feel so thirsty. And, and you know, the more water that I drink, the more thirsty I become. And, and I'm just, I don't know, I feel like I'm getting ready to pass out. And the uh, the corpsman, he, you know, good training, he recognized me. And he's like, how much water have you drank? And he's like, oh, like, he, he couldn't remember. It was like, you know, a couple of gallons. And he was like, he knew immediately what this Marine needed. He grabbed a little salt tablet, put it in his canteen, shook it up, and said, you need to drink this. It may not taste good, but your body, 
you've flushed all the salt, all of the minerals that your body needs out of your system, and you need to drink, drink the salt water before you go into shock. And uh, so thankfully, you know, the corpsman was able to take care of him. You know, I'm also, um, another example, which I'm slightly less proud of, is uh, when uh, my wife was pregnant with um, our five-year-old daughter, Scarlett, um, she similarly was just like drinking lots of water, wanting to make sure that, you know, she was staying hydrated through her pregnancy. But then she just, she was telling me like, oh, I'm just so thirsty and I'm drinking lots of water. And, uh, you know, no matter how much I drink, I'm just still thirsty. And silly me, I didn't connect the dots from my previous experience, but thankfully the midwife did. Uh, when she contacted the midwife, the midwife was like, hey, are you making sure that you are, you know, keeping some electrolytes, that balance of salt and minerals. And, um, you know, no surprise, that wound up uh, correcting things. And my wife uh, felt a lot better. And uh, I was like, man, I wish I would have remembered that. I should have known. Um, but, you know, nevertheless, uh, we were thankful. And, uh, and by restoring that, that healthy balance of salt, uh, both the Marine and, and my wife uh, were able to, to pull out of that, uh, that downward spiral. Next, we know that salt also works as an antiseptic. It prevents and slows decay. Applying salt to wounds protects against uh, bacterial infections. In fact, most bacteria cannot grow in conditions where a salt concentration is greater than 10%. This is why you know, when we uh, rinse um, our mouths or gurgle with salt water, it brings soothing, it brings healing, it brings relief. Uh, to our, you know, toothaches or sore throats. And then uh, we have the characteristic of salt that is most explicit in this passage, and that is salt brings flavor. Now, I personally am more of a, a pepper fan. Um, I like to put more pepper than, than salt on a lot of my foods. Um, but there are some foods where I need salt on them if I'm going to eat them. Mashed potatoes eggs, yeah, and, uh, and french fries, really anything like potato, I have to have salt on it in order for it to taste good. Um, and if you don't believe me, if you don't take me in my word, you know, look at Job in chapter 6. He says, can flavorless food be eaten without salt? Or is there any taste in the white of an egg? My f- soul refuses to touch them. I mean, wow, that's pretty extreme, but hey, you know, there, there you go. All right, Job, bringing bring the truth. Um, yes, many of us would agree that salt brings flavor to things that would otherwise be bland. Then we also know from the Old Testament that salt was used in emphasizing God's covenant with his people. In Leviticus chapter 2, salt was used to season all offerings for the Lord, signifying the covenant with, of God with his people. You shall season all of your grain offerings with salt. You shall not let the salt of the covenant with your God be missing from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. In Numbers 18, 19, we see a covenant of salt established or used to establish the eternal nature of God's covenant with the Levitical priesthood. All the holy contributions that the people of Israel present to the Lord, I give to you and to your sons and daughters with you as a perpetual due. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord for you and for your offspring with you. 
And again, in Second Chronicles 13.5, we see a covenant of salt, this time referring to God's promise to David and his lineage. Ought you not know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kinship over Israel forever to David and by his sons a covenant of salt? See, by Christ calling his disciples here at the Sermon of the Mount, the salt of the earth, he was reminding them of the covenant of God with his people. But then we have this curious warning about salt losing its saltiness. What's that about? Well, we here today, you know, we, um, we have salt that is in its form that it usually doesn't lose its saltiness. It's, uh, you know, uh, sodium chloride and it's, you know, very concentrated, gone through all the, uh, purification and everything. But back in the ancient Near East, that wasn't the case. A lot of the salt that they got was, um, harvested out of the salt marshes. And so they had a lot of impurities mixed in with them. And so um, over time, you know, these the impurities would take over or there would be enough of a, of a shift in concentration to where the salt would lose its saltiness. But the point of the warning is not whether the salt that Jesus is talking about is pure cl- sodium chloride or mixed with gypsum and other impurities, but rather what happens to salt that loses its flavor. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Now what about light? Jesus continues by saying, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. This passage reminds me of, of my uh, when I was first stationed in 29 Palms. I was a, a very junior enlisted. It was my first uh, assignment at the time, and and I remember flying into Palm Springs Airport, getting there around you know 9:30 p.m. Nobody there. I had to take a cab from there to to base, and um, was I remember like just driving through Joshua Tree, um, Yucca Valley. I don't know if if, if any of you have, have made that trip out there. Um, it, in the daytime, it's it's kind of cool uh, if you haven't experienced the desert before. Like me, I'd grown up in the southeast, so desert was a new experience to me but this was like at nighttime and so it was pitch black and i remember just weaving around through these uh and, you know the cab driver i was like oh am i am i safe uh weaving through the valley and then we come up over this little hill and then back down in this valley and i see just light like bright lights from from the base from 29 palms you know at you know rolling up at, at the base and then kind of moving its way up into the uh, into the the foothills there. And I was just like in awe of like, oh my goodness, this is like, it looked huge. It was so bright in contrast to the dark desert of that night. There was no hiding it. It shone like a glittering beacon in an otherwise endless darkness. Hide it under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine. See some grins. And some uh, Many of us are familiar with that song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm Going to Let It Shine. The same result, or the result is the same as, you know, Jesus talking about hiding under a basket. Do we hide it under a basket? No, because we know that, you know, when we do that, when we put a basket over any type of light, any covering, you know, it either makes... It, hides the light completely or at least greatly diminishes the light. 
And, you know, many of us know that, you know, when we go camping, you don't, if you're wanting to light up the camp, you don't grab your lantern and, and put it on the ground. Now you find some place where you can, you know, tether it up, uh, hang it high so that it casts that light throughout the entire campsite. Just as a city on a hill illuminates far more land than in a, a valley, and just as a lamp illuminates more when it's raised up off the ground, so our light should shine brightly before others. See, light expels darkness. Light reveals truth. And light provides clarity of hope and vision. But then Jesus reminds us, you know, for what purpose do we shine our light? Is it just so that uh, other people can look at us and say, hey, look at me, I'm shining brightly today? Um, or do we shine to, you know, receive approval from those around us? No. You know, God's word is clear. Jesus makes that distinction clear. We're not to shine our lights for ourselves. We shine so that others may see our good works and give glory to God. So my question to us today is, how is our saltiness? Are we salty in in the good way? And how is our light shining? Well, again, are we salty? Are we living out our faith in such a way that it's acting like a preservative to those around us? Are we helping to preserve a Christ-like attitude with our families and friends? Is the gospel both fresh and long-lasting in how we think and how we live and how we talk with those around us? And does our presence and speech promote healing and reconciliation, both within our church body here and with the world around us? See, Mark's parallel of our passage today says, Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 5 that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation by Christ Jesus who first reconciled us. How about our saltiness as a spiritual antiseptic? Does our speech and actions work to slow down or prevent the decay of the world around us? See, back when I was uh, enlisted, and, and definitely now as, as I'm a chaplain, you know, it, it still continues to, to make me grin um, when I walk into a space, and, and then suddenly, like, the, the language changes. You know, the, suddenly the, uh, the dirty jokes are like, oh, like they, I, I'll hear them start down the path, and then, they're, and then one of them will, like, give the other a look, and they'll be, oh, sorry, chaps, and, or they'll let something slip, oh, sorry, and... And, you know, I, you know I, I don't go in there saying, like, hey, don't swear. Hey, no dirty jokes. No, just being present with them. Them knowing that I'm a believer and, me, and even more importantly, bearing a positive witness by not engaging in that behavior, I observe a shift. Now, yes, you will have some that will, that will initially um, or maybe continually try to uh, prod, and, and they'll continue to do it just to, to try to get a rise out of you. But more often than not, you know, when we're loving and gracious and, and yet uh, persistent in how we let our saltiness and our light share, it, usually we see a, a shift in, uh, in culture and in attitude and, uh, and language. Um, and so, yes, we, you know, we should see that, that change. We should desire, we should 
uh, it's not, again, it's not about us, but it's about, you know, believing that God does work uh, in and through us and to making an impact on the world around us. How about our flavor? You know, does our presence and conversation have a good taste? Do our friends and family and coworkers see the love of Christ in our lives in tangible, tasteful ways? Does the salt in our lives proclaim what Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good? Or is it just something that we mumble, you know, murmur, or avoid discussing, rendering to them a bland and flavorless faith? They hear us say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I, I go to church, but they don't, they don't see anything different. They don't experience anything different about us. Or have we been, you know, a step beyond that? Have we been mixed with impurities of sin or caving to the peer pressure of of coworkers or or uh, or family members that is allowing our flavor to fade? I remember when I was in chaplain school, um, the instructor shared a story of of how you know one of his uh, fellow colleague uh, chaplains. Loved to tell dirty jokes and and swear be, when he was around you know Marines and sailors because he thought that that was a way for him to you know connect with and and get buy in with with the service members and yeah I mean the those they they laughed and joked and like thought the chaplain was cool but in reality those service members didn't see the chaplain as a chaplain when it came time for those moments of crisis those moments of need, those moments of wanting to find somebody, talk to somebody different that would be able to give them hope, a different perspective that would that they could receive the salt and light that they were craving. And so the uh, the instructor said, like, no, don't let that, don't be one of those. Be a chaplain that is different, and that's that's okay. It's what we're called to be. And I would say that very much so for us as believers, we have that same calling. We are to be the salt and light to those around us. When they taste and see, they taste and see the Lord alive in our lives, and they say, man, that's good. I want more of that. And a saltless faith is not good for anything. Luke's parallel says it's not even worth throwing on a manure pile. Man, that's, that's harsh. Well, why? Because it is no longer drawing from the salt of the covenant that we have in God through Jesus Christ. We're trying to do things on our own strength, and, and when we do that, we lose our saltiness. Romans 12 tells us that we are to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And again, Leviticus 2 says that we're to be a pleasing sacrifice. We must be seasoned with salt. And we can have confidence knowing that our saltiness is not based on ourselves, because if it was, then we'd all lose our saltiness right away. But it is in Christ and his word declared over us through his sacrifice on the cross and his spirit that dwells within each and every one of us. How about our light? Are we shining brightly on a hill or are we you know, putting the bushel over our lampstands? Are we pushing back the darkness in our families, in our friends, in our community? See, a city on a hill not only illuminates the surrounding darkness, but it provides safety for lost and weary travelers. Are we a noticeable refuge for those roaming around this world in blindness, 
by the darkness of sin and suffering. Is our light shining on lampstands, or are we hiding them under bushels? And I've been talking with some of the folks here. I think about you know the way that we can impact the community. You know, there's um, yes, we have a lot of uh, different subdivisions that are popping up, and you know, I think about Park Circle, and you know, there's mixed feelings of like you know whether you know, the the happiness about it about its development and it being there and. And yet it's, it's there. It's here. It's, it's a part of our community. And, and, uh, the, the attitude that we should have is like, man, that's a, that's a new group of folks, new group of people that many of which are broken or hurting. I know that there's a, a big refugee population in there. And, and we have the opportunity to be light, to be a city on a hill to the folks in that community and, and throughout our entire community. Um, throughout the entire world. Do we keep our faith low-key when we're at work or with certain people because we do not want to deal with uncomfortable situations or conversations? You know, maybe it's we aren't secure in our ability to uh, share the gospel. Well, again, it's not about us. It's about about God. And, and I'm I'm confident that, you know, when we... When we are ready, when we're open to the whole leading of the Holy Spirit, He'll give us the words. And even if you know we don't quote the Romans road, you know, and you know from A to Z perfectly, like again, it's not about that. It's about us being humble and willing and open to sharing that light with with those around us. And I also think about you know sometimes it's because we don't want to be bothered. You know, we're more so caught up in our busy schedules going from point A to point B where we don't stop and think about the opportunities, you know, whether it's at a grocery store or, or you know, a complete stranger that happens to strike up a conversation with us. Like how, how often are we just so caught up in our own busy schedules we don't take time to, to shine our light with, with those who are in need? How about at home? Do our spouses and children, and and uh, I know most of our most of the children have been uh, let loose, but I always include, you know, children. You know, how about you know the way your parents see you? You know, are we shining our light towards those closest to us, towards at home? You know, am I coming home from work and instead of shining the light of Christ, I'm in you know lieutenant mode where I'm like, all right, kids, you need to do this, you need to do that. Like, no, like that's. That's not um, shining the light of Christ uh, to to my family, and uh, and so that's a reminder for us that it's not just to the world; it's to each other. It's how you know we treat each other here at the church and and at home. See, our good deeds must go hand in hand with the light that we are shining. Our faith that we believe in our hearts and proclaim out loud must be exemplified by our actions. So we know, you know. James said in chapter 2, faith without works is dead. So brothers and sisters, again, I'm here to remind, and I won't say y'all, I'll say us, um, that there's a world in desperate need of our salt and light. Beginning here at our church, in each of our homes, extending to our community and to the four corners of the earth, and we must remember that we are greater as a body than we are as individuals. I don't know about you, but I can tell a huge difference between a teaspoon of salt and a tablespoon of salt. 
made that mistake a couple of times. Um, likewise, a city that is shining brightly shines so much brighter than if it's just one house trying to shine on its own. So again, these examples that Christ gives us emphasizes that we are to be carrying out this being salt and light as a family, as a church family, as a body of Christ, as a community, shining brightly together. So may we be the salt and light that God has declared us to be. May our salt bring healing, life, and flavor to those around us. And may our light shine brightly so that the world will indeed see our good works and give glory to our God, the Father in heaven. Amen? Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for the gift of your word. Lord, we thank you that you have indeed called us to be salt and light, Lord. Lord, may you just stir us to those good works, Lord. Stir us through your Holy Spirit, Lord, to have courage, to have grace, to have kindness, to have love in our lives, in our relationships with those around us, Lord. Continue to lead, guide, and direct us. Grow us closer together as a church body and use us to make an impact on this community, to make an impact on your kingdom for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.